and welcome to the Oxygen Addict podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors, PrecisionFuelAndHydration.com. Personalize your fueling and hydration strategy so you can perform at your best. You can get 15% off your first order of electrolytes and fuel with the code OA22 at PrecisionFuelAndHydration.com. That's the code OA22. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Coach Rob Wilby, and every week I bring you an episode of this podcast to help motivate and inspire you. This week, I've got a cracker for you. I've got an interview with Dave Clements, one of our Team OA athletes. Dave has managed to do two amazing endurance events this year. He's managed to do Keltman, the extreme triathlon up in Scotland, and he's also managed to just complete a five-day ultramarathon through the Namibia desert. And all of this, despite working full-time as a as a commercial underwater diver, which involves him you'll hear in the interview, it involves him living under the water for four weeks at a time in a two meter square pressurized box with other divers. It's unbelievable. I'm mind blown. I've literally just finished recording this interview now and I'm topping and tailing it to put out to you. Um, I just can't get over that he can go away and live in conditions like that and, and work, you know, drilling drilling and diving on the seabed of the North Sea for six hours at a time, go back to living in a pressurized chamber without ever coming back to the surface. And obviously the knock-on of this onto Dave's training is that he has to spend four weeks literally doing nothing other than the diving exercise that he gets and some S&C work. Dave's been with us for a couple of years now and what's been amazing is how It's been amazing to watch how his fitness holds together for these periods of time when he's not training. So for all of us, we worry if we miss a day or two or three or a week of training. And and our mind tells us that our fitness is going to be ruined and we're going to be back to square one. Dave is a great example of how that isn't not only the case, the opposite can be true. You can really hold together your fitness well for a period of four weeks, as he's shown, come back out do a few more weeks of training and go on to do, in his case, really extreme endurance events. So I think this interview is going to be very informative for a lot of people, but it's really going to challenge a lot of our preconceived notions, conceptions of how long our fitness sticks around for when we are unable to train. So so yeah, I really, really hope you, you love and enjoy this. The interview is brought to you by our sponsors, Precision Fuel and Hydration. You'll hear in the interview, Dave talks about using their products, specifically their electrolyte powders and their um, carbohydrate chews to get through a self-supported five-day ultra out in Namibia. Dave took advantage of PFNH's offer that's open to everybody for free. You can book a free one-to-one video call with the PFNH athlete support team and they'll advise you on the products that you need, the amount of electrolytes, the amount of carbohydrates you're going to need for the event that you're doing, for your body type. You can even go and see them in person and have an in-person sweat test done to find out if you suspect you are a very, very heavy or salty sweater. So they're an amazing company that don't just do production of um, what I believe to be class leaders in electrolytes and fuel. They don't just do that. They also have got the education and the informing and the helping part of it really right. Um, We went up to the Kendall Mountain Festival and met up with Dave and Chris and a few of the PFNH team and had lunch with them a couple of weeks ago. Awesome people. People were really digging their products on the stand that they have at the Kendall Mountain Festival, which incidentally, if you've never been to, I'd never been before. It was brilliant. Highly, highly recommend going to that. 
Um, and yeah, people were really loving their products there. And it's great to see them, you know, expanding outside of swim, bike, run, endurance events and into, you know, other spheres as well. So that was really super, super awesome. So remember, you can go over to the precisionfuelandhydration.com website. You can check out their products there. If you're going to order, you can get 15% off with the code OA22 off your first order. Um, and there's all tons of information. Their fuel and hydration planning tool is brilliant. You can use it to work out what you need for your body type and your events. So yeah, awesome stuff. And with that, onto this week's interview of the week with Dave Clements. Dave, you've got a, a pretty unique and interesting story that's ended up taking you to some very unique and interesting triathlon and ultra endurance events. So I'm really excited to have you on the show to tell your story today. Welcome aboard, my friend. Okay, thanks, uh, there, Rob. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. So, listen, let's let's start off today. It, it's it's interesting with a guy like you whether we start at the end or whether we start at the beginning. But the let, let's just give people a quick overview that the events you've done this year have been Keltman, which is arguably the most difficult and ex certainly one of the most difficult and extreme iron distance triathlons in the world. And then a, let me get this right, a six day ultra marathon across the Namibian desert. Is that right? Was it six days? It was five days. So it's six marathons over five days uh, <laughs> and a double on the last day, just for a uh, good measure. Why not? I may as well do two to finish up. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and we, we were talking a little bit before before we came on air today. And obviously, you know, you and I have a similar backstory here. People assume when you you get yourself fit and you do quite amazing ultra distance events that you've always been super fit. You've always been an athlete. You've always been into this stuff, and it's the natural culmination. But that isn't always the way. So you don't have a traditional job and you don't have a traditional story of, of coming into endurance events. So, so let's go back a little bit and tell us, tell us the story of, of your life then. How old are you at the moment? I'm 53. Um, I left school when I was 16. I joined the Navy. Um, that was round about the time I started smoking and drinking a lot. And that carried on till I was 40. Um, so eventually at 40, uh, I stopped smoking, and I believe that was the start of me uh, leading a healthier life, and various things fell into place after that. So, a, a lifelong smoker then, from joining the <laughs> navy at sixteen through to through to forty years old, and then then a complete yeah. change. Yeah, well, gradually I, I, I got off the the drink. I mean, I was never a dependency or an alcoholic or anything. It was all purely uh sociable type party drinking <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um i became a diver at um, a commercial diver i work in the north sea um saturation diving so uh it's it's uh deep work that we, that we do and uh I started that uh at 25 so i thought that was my chance to stop smoking and uh cut down on everything but uh when I when I became a diver, I was surrounded by other divers who just did exactly the same as me. So then it was uh, just a continuation from there of the same, you know. Um, what's, what's saturation diving then? Talk us through a little bit what your job entails. So so, so what we do is we uh, we work on diving ships and we live in um, hyperbaric chambers. There are a series of cylindrical 
type steel chambers and we're we're locked inside these when we start the job we're pressurized to the uh the the the, the, the seabed um the depth of the seabed so um so we so we live on these um we're transferred to the seabeds with a diving bell and that that's it we're we're in there for the duration of the job which could be up to four weeks wow so how how big how big is this thing that you live in and and how yeah, many other people are now with you well they're, they're quite small so there may be about two or so meters um in di- in diameter uh maybe a bit more bigger bigger systems bigger ships have got bigger systems but some of them can be quite pokey so you, you can be up to five of the guys so two three-man teams living in one chamber so you, you can't really go for a walk uh you certainly can't run uh you're kind of trapped in these things for the, the duration you can do a bit of uh, stretching and s and c uh and obviously a bit of exercise when you go diving but uh there's not a lot of uh, scope for training in there so my training comes to an end when when i go to work i can't quite get my head around this you're living with <laughs> you're living with three other guys in a room yeah. two meters square for four weeks well well five five of the guys all together uh so there's two two so we work in teams of three uh on some vessels you get three-man chambers on others it's six-man chambers so yeah you're living on top of each other there's there's not a lot of space wow so i don't think i i mean this is embarrassing to admit right now Uh, and i don't think i ever quite understood the uh understood the difficulties that you were facing during this i obviously uh, I knew yeah. you were off you said oh i'm away for four weeks i'm, I'm offshore yeah. all i can do is a bit of s and c i hadn't quite taken in that you were you were literally living in a two by two space with five other guys yeah you, you, you're trapped in there um so every day you get a, a brief um of, of, of the job in in hand and um when your time comes you lock off in a diving bell you go through an airlock into a pressurized diving bell and then that's that's uh it gets lowered down through a hole in the vessel uh to the seabed and uh, we dive for six hours at a time you come back you get your dinner uh and all you feel like doing after that is lying down on your bed going to sleep um and then it all starts again the next day it's uh groundhog day for wow. weeks for weeks on end <laughs> all you can do you get a lot of time to think so what i lose in like physical activities i can actually you know i can read down there and i can get a few ideas together a lot of my uh ideas and uh for ultra running whatever triathlon have, have, have been uh cooked up down there uh various points <laughs> yeah i can imagine i can imagine that your mind is trying to concentrate on where you would like to go when yes. uh, when you get out of there <laughs> all you do when you're in there is think about what you're going to do when you come out okay that's it and and what do you actually do when you're doing the diving what does what's does the job involve so, so it, it can be construction uh of oil fields building oil fields and the maintenance repair um of the infrastructure that's down there what you see on the surface is what people refer to as an oil rig it's uh, an oil platform but that's actually the control center for the region so what you've got on the seabed is a network of manifolds pipes wells um the oil comes up out the ground up through the wells up through through the manifolds uh into pipes and up to the platforms themselves and then they get piped it gets piped off to 
to wherever it's going. So it's uh, it's quite a big operation. There's uh, yeah. a lot of safety involved, and um, uh, and you need to be focused. And I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm trying to consider. Well, firstly, I could not do this. I'm trying to put myself, as I often do doing interviews, I put myself in the mindset of the person I'm talking to. I'm getting the hairs of my neck are standing up just thinking about being trapped in a two by two space for uh, yeah, no, it's not an ideal sort of prelude to uh an ultra event or a triathlon but i mean for, for us it's it's uh it's like it's, it's it's a natural progression we all started off diving inshore on building sites um and then move progress to working offshore as an air diver and then you do another course uh, you have to keep on throwing a lot of money at various courses. You, you do your saturation diving course eventually, and then and then you move on to that side of the of of, of diving. Um, it's it's difficult. The best jobs are hard to get, obviously, and depending on what the oil industry is doing, um, dictates how much work there is about. So I've been lucky enough. I look at it as being lucky. Seven years ago, there was a downturn in the industry and I got made redundant. So I took two years off. And in those two years, that's all I decided. One thing I always fancied doing was getting fit. So that's what I did. I joined a running club and I went on from there. Um, so a couple of years down the line, a couple of years of running, I did uh, cross-country events. Um, but then I, I got speaking to a, a chap in my uh in, in my running group who did triathlon and uh asked him how 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 do you do this how do you get into triathlon so he told me well the, the edinburgh half ironman's on next year why don't you enter that so um that's, that's how the triathlon got started just through uh word of mouth and uh inspired by somebody else I see. And and it was literally a kind of I've got this I've got this gap in my working schedule. I can do something completely different. What do I want to do? I want to be outdoors for a while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um so the the, the next two years for me was just uh, a lot of training, a lot of running and seeing where I could take that. Okay. And then I went back to work again. Uh things picked up in the industry. I went back to work, but I went back to work with a different attitude and I was pretty much only doing about three months a year. So that's when it started getting complicated again. Then I had to start sort of working around what I wanted to do. And um, as far as running and triathlon went uh, with, with my job, which is, which is, is difficult. Yeah. And, and is the work, does it does it kind of come and go in contracts and you get off them at relatively short notice and you have yes. to decide whether to take them or not yeah you, you have to play the game a bit if you keep saying no then you might get out of favor or or they just don't call you up anymore so the summer most of my work falls in the summer so obviously i want the work and i just have to accept that sometimes um uh, I go into some events with only a few weeks training. Uh, summer for me can be very frustrating as far as events go. I'm never up to speed. So I have to wait till the work fizzles out in the autumn and get on the case in the winter. And that's what I've been doing. But COVID's kind of stopped me doing that. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because I know there's been a couple of events you've been entered into this year that have had to, you've had to pull a pin. <laughs> 
like at a, <laughs> yeah. a week's notice or 10 days notice sometimes haven't you yeah yeah i mean um oh yeah totally i've missed out on two two ironman events one was uh deferral i seem to be chasing deferrals a lot from the covid period uh for three years now i've been trying fairly desperately to do another ironman branded event and uh i had a bash it had a go at that there was ironman copenhagen in august i got within two weeks of it and i got a call for work so i, I kind of saw uh i thought well i'm gonna make portugal if i'm gonna miss out on that i'll make ironman portugal in october so uh, that never happened but with missing that a job that i went on got extended and so so i, I missed that but then that opened up the the door for me for the um uh, uh, for, the, for the ultra events I just did in Namibia, I, I knew I couldn't do all of them, but uh, you know, just the ones I've, I've done, luckily, have been all the extreme ones, the Keltman and uh, the Desert Ultra. So I'm quite happy with that. Really, I can't complain. You know, I have to take it on the chin a bit, losing uh, my race fee and training for something that never happens. But you know. Three or four weeks down the line, when I come back again, I can kind of pick up on that. It's still there. I haven't completely lost that fitness, but I've mm. just got to sort of build on it again. Um, yeah, so I'm getting used to place. You know, are you are you often surprised by how much fitness you've kept when you come back from you come back from doing jobs? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that running in the desert in Namibia will bear testament to that. And the kelp man, I yeah, I think I mean I mean I've been tweaking the nose of DNF these events, but I was nowhere near it to be honest. I enjoyed them, and yeah, never never once thought about giving up. I mean they were they were punishing. Yeah, but I think maybe that suits me. You know, I like that challenge. Bet you do, yeah. Well, listen, let's go through the events, and I want to talk to you a bit about mindset later on. But let's let's start with Keltman. So, for people who don't know, Keltman's part of the the X Tri Extreme Triathlon series worldwide. Um, it's characterized by cold water, a long hilly bike course, and a and a long mountain ultra marathon at the end to finish, where only some people some of the time get to actually go over the mountain depending on the weather and depending on the time of day so so talk us through the whole keltman experience because it's one of those events where hardly anyone's done it's a lottery to enter so it's a great opportunity i think to talk about the event for i know listeners have been wanting to know about it for years dave yeah so i'll, I'll take you back to where it all started i i entered the ballot for a bit of a laugh uh i thought well and, and to tempt fate i know there's a lot of people who enter it so i thought well it's never going to come in for me, but I'll enter it as well. And uh, Bill uh, entered it also. Um, so uh, uh, an email come back a few weeks later saying, "Oh, nah, sorry, you've um, you've missed out." Uh, and then about a week later, somebody had dropped out and it said I was in. So I thought, "Oh, geez." So I've, I've got to do this event called the Keltman. Uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, my first thoughts on the matter was, well, "It's at the end of June. I'm going to be working. I'm going to miss it." It's um, it's probably not going to happen, but I'll just see how it goes. So fast forward to about, I went off on a job. Um, I think it was the end of April. It only lasted for about two or three weeks anyway. So at the end of that, I realized that I had five weeks to train for this uh, Keltman event. So 
I started panic searching for a, a support runner. So I realized it had become real then and I was going to do this. So I had to look for a, a support team. So I had to get all that together. Uh, you need somebody driving a car around and you need somebody to accompany through you, through uh, the mountain section of uh, of the run. So uh, I managed to get all that together. There was a girl, she's a doctor, she's based in Sky, called Sarah Atwood, who's been, who was brilliant. Um, so we got chatting for three or four weeks um, and uh, another friend did the driving. So we we got all this together and, uh, and then rock, and, and then made it to the events. Two weeks before, I went and did a course recce. So I thought, I've got to prepare here as best as I can. Because I haven't, I, didn't, I don't really know much about the race, and I've I haven't done any extreme triathlons. So um, I took my touring bike, and I spent two days going around the bike course. And halfway through, it is really hilly. I think there's about two thousand three hundred meters of elevation, and most of it's around the middle of the race. So um, went around the bike course, I went up a mountain, and I swam sw- swam in the in the sea lock, which uh, which was cold. I think. Uh, Around about 10 or 11 degrees when I went, full of jellyfish. Uh, but the weather was absolutely beautiful, like, you know, amazing. The photographs I got are incredible. So two weeks later, I turned up for the event, and I think it was the worst weather they'd ever had. Uh, so on the on the day of the event, it was 40 to 50 mile an hour winds across uh, gales across the course. Um, the temperature was around about 12 degrees. It was like a, like an autumn awesome day you know uh i think in edinburgh where i live i think it was like in the mid-20s but they're freezing so um yeah so that's what we had to deal with so everybody knew that morning i think what time we were up about three o'clock or something to get your 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 tracker and stuff like that but uh yeah it was hideous Bob, you would have you, you would have hated that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't say I would have loved it. No, no chance. Those days are long gone for me. I, 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 I think you'd have to be crazy to love it, but I, I, I think there's people there who, who uh, sort of enjoyed it being as extreme as it possibly could. At the end of the day, it was an extreme triathlon, like so. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, we went round in the bus on the on the day uh, round to the. It's a point to point swim, three points. It's not quite 3.8. I think it's 3.4K or 3.5. So um, so we set off. Um, so about the first kilometre was fairly, fairly flat. Um, and then when you got into the out into the open water a bit, then it got it got rough. Uh, there was a lot of swell. Uh, I think it was about 180 people started as well. A couple of times I stopped and looked around me and I couldn't see anybody, anything, any kayak or nothing you couldn't there was nothing to see so you you felt like you're well and truly on your own so um had about what about a, a kilometer and a half of swell and uh, rough sea and then you got into a shelter bit again and that's where the jellyfish kicked in so you were almost pulling yourself through these things they were that thick it was about i don't know two 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 parts water to one part jellyfish uh really? so there's about a kilometer of that hauling yourself through these luckily there were just these um i think they're called half moon jellyfish or something there wasn't so many lion's mane they're the ones that uh leave a nasty sort of sting and uh the fella who won, won the race he got stung on his face so he mentioned that in his race report 
So, um, so uh, managed to <laughs> managed to get through that. I, I, I don't know how many were behind me when I came out, but I'm having a guess. I was in the last sort of third of of people coming out of the water, and uh, I'd sort of planned on quick transitions uh, to sort of you know speed up my time a bit through these things i was i went into the race thinking about getting uh you get two different t-shirts you get blue uh for making the high mountain cut off so there's a, a time cut off on that and uh, and then a white if you didn't make that cut off um so i was going for this blue t-shirt so i went through i was the 14th fastest through t1 through um through the transition so i got off to a good start and then i had all sort of because my hands were numb uh my watch my bike computer it was like fumbling fingers all over the place and wrong buttons were pressed i think i lost my swim so i was i was faffing around with that for about five minutes but then uh i, I got off on the uh on the bike so uh it's always good when you get out and swim and you get onto the bike you feel like you've uh the most daunting part of the, the triathlon um so about halfway through the court i mean the, the weather was atrocious uh there were sheltered bits where you could uh get a bit of speed up um but by the time i'd sort of hit all the hills you know i was starting to feel the effects of um of the course itself then you know it, it was very tiring all these hills and then just when you deserved a bit of downhill and a bit of speed, uh, a bit of freewheeling, that's where you got this horrendous uh, side wind. So you had to lean into it. I mean, my bike must have been about 60 degrees leaning into it. I was on the brakes, probably doing about, I don't know, 10 mile an hour or something. And this was on a downhill where you, you know, you could be enjoying yourself. Um, so, so that was a bit of a disappointment. And then um, there was one fast bit on the course. Uh, the, the race, the guy who won the won the race, I saw his race report and he clocked. He saw he was doing 105 kilometers an hour on this stretch of road, which was scary. He was an ex-pro cyclist. Um, he said that, you know, it was, it was scary. But you did have the wind behind you there. Um, and then just, so when you finish the end of that, you, you, you know, you felt a bit better because you'd had this, like, it was, it was the only easy bit of the cycle. And then you took a right turn, uh, and the last 25 miles of the race, uh, I mean, that stood out as the, the big suffer fest. So 25, 25 miles of going into, I think it was 45 mile an hour headwind. Um, I looked down at my bike computer at one point and I was doing, I think I was doing about nine mile an hour, but pushing about 220 watts on the flat. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's no two ways about it. It was um, window, if you really, you know. And uh, my support runner said everybody, she was waiting for me at the end of T2. And, and everybody who came in, on the bikes, uh, just had all the same look on their faces. <laughs> uh, they'd sort of been through it, you know, they'd, yeah. they'd been through the mangle, you know. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I was just glad to get off the bike at that point, you know, uh, in T2 and uh, sort of all over the place a bit, sort of uh, getting changed into my running gear and, uh, and, and, and headed off and tried to run, but you just didn't feel like running. Uh, it had taken that much out of you. Um, and then the course quickly went on, the run course, the first half of the run course quickly went on to 
uh, heather bush clad hill. So there was no distinctive sort of track to follow. It was just bits of orange ribbon that were tied onto the bushes that you had to follow. So the, it's not even like you could run through it, you know. So uh walked through it, uh, seen a few of the people ahead of me, caught up with them. Uh, there was a lot of walking going on. Um, a highlight of that run for me was in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Uh, I've got to take your hat off to the support crew that were there. There was one man, one guy with a table, uh, with an umbrella. I mean, on the side of this windswept hill uh, with like the tastiest items you could ever imagine and fantasize about on the table for you to eat. All like cakes and uh, sweets, you know, you name it. Uh, and there was three of us there. And we stopped for a chat for about 15 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that that that's what the race did to you. It just, you know, it just got... It just got so tough that you sort of found uh, a bit of humour in it all. Um, but after I had that nibble, it gave me a fineness a lot when I when I eat. Um, a big, en- you know, a nice bit of energy. Um, and I just I started running again again after that. And uh, I pretty much ran. Uh, I think the first section was about 20K. So I pretty much ran the last sort of section of that. And um, then that takes you into the the cutoff for the high route, for the low or the high mountain route. So it had already been cancelled, we found out, mm-hmm. uh, due, to, due to the weather. It was minus, minus 10 wind chill factor and 70 mile an hour winds. So that, that was the end. So nobody was doing the high course, you know. Uh, they, they, they had closed it down one year before. But uh, this, they were saying this was the worst weather they'd ha- ever had overall. So uh, my support runner picked me up. Um, I probably spent about 20 minutes at this, at this cutoff, at this checkpoint. A lot of people did. Um, I went to the toilet. I, I, I just needed a pee, but I sat down in the toilet. And I don't know, 10 minutes just flew by. It was just great to get a seat. <laughs> uh, the, the, the actual... Portaloo itself was was rattling around a bit with with the wind outside, but it was just like this amazing moment of peace. I saw on the the, the uh, Keltman Facebook page a few days later, somebody put a post in. Did anybody go in one of those Portaloo toilets at the mountain checkpoint? Sit sit on it and not want to come out again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, that, the only shelter exactly on the whole mountain. <laughs> Just had a moment, this this brief moment where everything was nice, everything was all right. So um, obviously, I got myself together, went out, and then we uh, we we hit the low level mountain route. Um, so it was like a howling gale in there, horizontal rain, uh, mountain rescue crew, support crew that were there. They uh, they were all like hunkered down in the bags and you know in survival bags and wet weather gear and but they were still cheery. They kept us going. My support runner Sarah, amazing. She got me running again, and we passed a lot of people actually. Like probably passed about a dozen or more people. Um, she really did a good job of getting me going. She she's she she's she was a real character. She's actually the in her age group um she's 40 she's the uh european standard duathlon champion okay so she's so she a decent runner and 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 a doctor uh and just fantastic 
just I couldn't have asked for a better support runner, really. And all this had happened in a short space of time. I got this together. So if anybody ever does it and you're panicking about finding a support runner, you can find them online uh, nearer the time. I think I found Sarah on uh, Scottish Hill Runners. There are people about who really want to sort of do this in a support capacity. You think you know? nothing better than running a marathon <laughs> in 70 mile an hour wins. That's the kind of people you need around you, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, I mean, you, you know, um, just, just everybody, the support crew, everybody there was brilliant. You know, it's like you go to these extreme events, the more extreme it is, the, 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 the more interesting and outgoing and mad for it. Everybody is, you know, it's a real, real good bunch of folk, uh, that I didn't think it existed that I've sort of happened upon, you know, just, just, just by having a laugh and entering a uh, Keltman Bellet. <laughs> did you, did you have uh, any doubts at any point whether you were going to finish? D- d- no, that was the thing. So I thought, um, so I had a, a little bit of time to think about this when I was offshore and I did all the prep I could. I read the race manual twice. Uh, I spoke to, I've done this a lot. Um, the six years I've been keeping fit and doing events, I, I just ask people who've done it, what what did they do? What kit did they get? Uh, I've asked a lot of questions, just about everything I've got, every bit of kit I've ever had. I've, um, I've, I've, I've you, know, you know, sourced it. I've asked people about what's the best, what's the best thing to do here, and there's 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 no uh, no shortage of people willing to help you. So the community itself has been sort of pivotal in me finishing everything so never at one point even during the race did i think about i'm not gonna i'm not gonna manage us you know um, Interesting. yeah yeah no it is it's uh it's a funny one rob uh but that that is what i'm finding a lot in myself um yeah. and it's given me a lot of confidence to go on to do other things like the desert ultra in Namibia. So. Hey, well, we can't go to that yet come on hang on we've not crossed the finish line of Keltman yet <laughs> yeah, okay yeah so um so what what point yeah. were you at then when you realized you were you were going to finish you were nearly done was it still daylight describe the scene to us yeah it was st- still daylight I mean we kicked off at uh I think the race actually started about I think it was like 6 a.m so what was it middle of the summer uh I took just over 15 hours so it must have been around about sort of nine-ish when I finished it. So okay. it's still light. Um, and the last 5K, I don't know if I was done with running. So we just casually walked in. And I don't think any anybody passed us. Uh, we'd sort of done a good job of uh, running past a lot of people on the mountain itself. But we were now onto the road. And we could see the, uh, the finish line in the distance. So... Um, yeah, we just basically. I think we ran for a laugh, ran about the last hundred yards, in, you know, just uh, just just for effect. But you got greeted. Obviously, you got a hearty greeting off everybody, and given the most rank tasting bottle of beer I've ever had in my life, uh, which was from some local <laughs> brewery. Like I'm, I'm more of a cider drinker, you know. So uh, yeah, but I, I drank it anyway out of uh, out of good manners and that, you know. Uh, yeah, and that, that that was the end of that. And it was just a case of uh, cheering a few other people uh, in. Uh, there was a, 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 somebody I knew who was about an hour behind me who came in. So we were there to see her came in. And then, yeah, that was that – was, was that enough for you, Rob? That, and that was it, huh? <laughs> 
Did it did it yeah. measure up to the experience you hoped you were going to have when you were obviously you're you're offshore, you're under the water, you're in your you're in your diving bell, fantasizing about the outside world. I guess it I guess it lived up to expectation, right? Yeah, it was extreme. It did what it said it was going to do. Um, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I did have that that moment of thought. I think it was on the last hour or two on the run. I thought, I am never doing anything like this again. That is the end of my extreme, um, well, you know, extreme event career over already. But you know, like by the time I finished, I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, that, that, there was something about that. Uh, I mean, it was no part of it. I, I, I did well in the swim. I think it was uh, an, an hour and thirty minutes. I did, which was which was good spot on for me. Yeah. Uh, even, even with uh, the, I think it was the water was was eleven or twelve degrees, so it was cold um, and daunting. And there was a swell. There was wind. It was rough. So I, I'd say I did well with that. I had good transitions and good stops. Uh, I planned for four stops along the bike course, and everything went to plan. Uh, everything went to plan. I, I, I did spend a lot of time going over this with my support crew and going over it with myself. Mm. So I, I don't think we, I don't think we made any mistakes, you know. So uh, well, having the plan is a big, a big part, part of that, isn't it? Yes. Having 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 visualised the whole thing, read the race manual a couple of times, having a really clear plan for what you're going to do. It sounds like your mindset is very much one of you control what you can. And yeah. and you're an extreme example of like my advice is was just let go of what you can't control. Yeah. And in terms of your the last bit of your training not going right, I hope there's someone out here listening to this who's going, you know, someone needs to hear this. The last bit of my training hasn't gone right. The last bit of Dave's training was four weeks under the ocean, living in a pressurized <laughs> diving bell. So so it's all relative, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I did. My training was good. I mean, you gave me a good. Yeah, it's all relative for sure. Um, you gave me a good training plan, and I, I believed in that, and did what you said, did what I could do, and on the day, I, I did what I could do. I had a few other things I have to control as well. I've got arthritis in my hip joints. I didn't mention mm. that. So I got diagnosed uh, when I was forty-two. When I first started, I first tried to run. I was very tight right in the hips, and I uh, got an MRI scan. So. Uh, so I've been battling with that as well. A couple of years after I got um, diagnosed with that, I started something. I've mentioned this before, Bikram Yoga. It's yeah. the yoga with the dodgy guru. But uh, it's changed my life, that. Uh, not spiritually, but physically. Um, I've been doing that for nine years. So that started me, effectively, that, that got me into running. Uh, two or three years after doing that, uh, I felt a lot better. And... Um, so so I still do that now. So that's that was a bit of a worry, if any, going into these extreme events mm. uh and marathons, Iron Man, whatever, long distance running, um does make me you know, I am concerned about that. But all I do just to counteract that concern is I just go I go to this Bikram yoga every day. I just like completely like do it as much as I can. And I believe you know, along with a few other things like that, that I've not really had any running injuries yet. Yeah. With, with managing my hips, uh, and my back. I mean, that, that has been right up there, you know? So, uh, um, interesting. Is Bikram Yoga the one that you do in a really hot room? Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, 26 postures, very repetitive, hard to get into. 
uh, you know, to get into the, the swing of it all. Uh, but really, like, it's, it's, it's been a game changer for me, you know? Yeah. It really has. I mean, I didn't think, when I started doing that, that Bikram yoga, I didn't think I wanted to do triathlon or, I mean, I was told not to run by uh, consultants about my hips. You need a, he told me I'd need a hip replacement operation. This is when I was 42. Uh, hip replacement operation, a, a double one before I was 45. So I've, I've really kicked that into touch, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been back for a few sort of, uh, I've been to see the chap a few times. And he's amazed. He says he's never seen you know there was no change in six years there was no change in my condition when when I, from when i first saw him to when i went back for another look at it you know so so that that that's been a something i've had to manage as well you know mm. um but it just shows you can injury if you can find a way of alleviating any symptoms and that you can go on to do whatever you want to do you know yeah. I'll, I'll, I really believe that, you know. I've been, I've surprised myself, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I can still remember, mate, when you when you joined up with us, and I was I was reading your initial information, and that was the big challenge, wasn't it? It was yeah. I've got arthritis in my hips. I can't I can't do more than two long runs back to back before we need it. Yeah, yeah that, and you've managed it incredibly well. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. It's like the more I do, the better it gets. Uh, and I also mentioned to I think it was to Andy. Well, I spend about three months of the year sort of locked inside these uh these tin cans as well i mean am i suitable for for being coached you know with with all that that was said but um it's been brilliant for me rob you know it's uh, i was overtraining before so i was overdoing it and i wasn't improving but now um n- now i'm getting a, a proper you know schedule you know doing and doing the right amount of things it's um it's, it's helped me so much you know do you think that's the um, difference it's made is the sort yes. of when you came out it was i mean i'm starting to see a more of a glimpse into your mindset you come out of being in a in a tin can for four for four weeks and it's like yeah. let me at it i've got all the oh, training yeah. we do all of it we do everything yeah and i mean it's kind of been a bit more a euphoric like feeling you know? <laughs> oh, better is yeah what, what, whatever you do when you get home everybody comes out there and you just want to get home and get get on it you know yeah uh be it drinking partying your kids what whatever your thing is uh you've been thinking about that for weeks on end you know it's, it's um oh, yeah, good. it's funny it's a crazy, crazy old job you know yeah, I'm glad it's helped you. I'm glad it's because yeah. that's the thing we wanted was it for to bring to bring a bit of balance to the time that yeah. you had to train when you weren't under the water. So yeah, it feels like yeah. feels like we're on yeah. the right track. Hopefully, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like yes, um, I'll be here for as long as you kick me off the out the group. You know, uh, <laughs> it, just, it, 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 it just it's just it's it's just it's just giving me structure. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing before. I wanted to do all these things, but I uh, didn't really know how to train them. And when I'm at home, I get a lot of time. Uh, I'm not like some people in the group who are struggling to fit things in. Uh, it's either I'm offshore and I can't do it, or when I'm at home, I've got a lot of time to do it. Mm. So there is that tendency when you've got all that time to do too much. I mean, I think some days I was doing like a, a mile and a half swim in the morning. I was doing a ninety k cycle. And I was going to my running club in the evening or, or it, it was too much, you know, and I'll be doing that for 
days on end and I wasn't getting anywhere. I was just, all I was doing was uh, asking for injury, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, he showed me the way. Right. Now, I want to hear about... I want to hear about Namibia. I want to hear oh, about because yeah, because from my point of view, you're going to laugh at this, but I don't know how many years it's rolled over for. Is it two years? It's rolled over because of COVID and things. It's been on your. It's been on the race schedule in like the, the the. I've got a column for stuff for the future, and it said five day and six day Namibia ultra run, and I was just yeah. like, really? Is this? He's having, really? he's having a laugh, isn't he? We're going to get there. <laughs> Uh, well, it actually goes back further than that, Rob, uh, five years ago. Uh, I've been, so I've been running for a year, uh, hadn't heard about triathlon, and I was looking for a big challenge. Yeah. So uh, I Googled, I internet searched the world's toughest races, temp- tempting fate as I do, uh, and this jungle, uh, Beyond the Ultimate uh, Jungle Ultra came up. So I thought, well, I'm just going to enter it. Um, so the first two years, I managed to get it deferred it it was in june so it it was when i got back to work again uh so i'd, I'd entered it on the two-year break that i had off from from diving so by the time i went back to work this this fact this the date it was on in june was uh it's when a lot of my work is like so i ended up sort of uh cancelling it twice or, or getting it deferred they were good enough to uh let me keep my race fee uh they were a brilliant bunch uh and then we had the covid so so, so there was another two times it was cancelled the, the, the last year so i swapped it i swapped the the jungle for the for the desert believing that the i could i could make uh it was a bit more doable uh doing this uh event in november rather than in the middle of the summer so so I made it. So um, with three weeks of training, uh, <laughs> time let's, uh, only let's say to do three it. Three weeks of focus <laughs> training. Let's say that yeah. somebody out there is going to be listening. Yeah. And go, oh, I'll have a go at this. Uh, yeah, it needs. It definitely needs more than three weeks. So um, three so weeks I, of three weeks of yeah. focus training when you, yeah. you're back on dry land. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so what I had to do is, um, so I, I, I knew I was going to miss me, me Ironman Portugal and the door, the, wind, the door was going to open up for um, Desert Ultra. So I got off the ship. I think it was, it was round about the, I think it was like the third week in, in October. The job had, dragged on about a couple of weeks anyway um so i had but i just had to make my mind up i thought well i've got three weeks to do this shall i i'll, I'll just do it you know uh, else i'm just going to be deferring it again and i'm, I'm sort of wondering whether they're going to give me, me my uh my race two and a half thousand pound race fee back back again you know or, or, or defer it. i think i'm probably going to lose it so I, ju- I just made the choice then to do it and i've thought about it a lot on the job so I got in touch with your good self there, and uh, and he and he whipped me up uh, an emergency training plan, which um, which seems to have seems to have worked for me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have any time or chance to train with a backpack on, so I had all the gear. You know, I had all all my gear that I went to the race with was about four four or more years old. Even the um, even the expedition food, you know, the freeze dried. Uh, meals, everything was like years old, uh, but still tasted good. <laughs> well, sort of. um, so, yeah, so uh, three weeks 
past. Uh, I, do you know, I had the feeling that I couldn't, I, I said to a mate of mine, I don't know if I can actually be bothered with this, but I've got to go now. I've, I've bought a flight. Um, I've said I'm going to go. I've got all the kit. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go uh, and just see what happens. I mean, even if I don't finish, even if I get to the start line, that's going to be better than just deferring it again and losing my race fee. So, I mean, I went into it with an open mind and that 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 attitude. But I, I often when I get home and I start training again, within about two weeks, I really start finding my feet again. And that's where you know, my stored fitness from before I went away to work starts, that starts coming in, you know, start finding that again. Uh, I was just worried, like, I hadn't ran with a backpack. I didn't really know what I'd do it. Uh, one thing I did do, which was uh, a good idea, I went down, I live across the road from the swimming baths. There's a steam room and sauna down there. So just about every day I went in there and stayed in there for as long as I could, you know uh you know baking hot so i thought well the least i can do is uh show a bit of respect for the uh location and uh do a bit of a heat training acclimatize yeah acclimatize a bit and i, I listened to you did a there was a podcast i don't know how old it was but um to year maybe a year old but i think it was uh repeated in the in the summer it was about training for, in the heat or training for uh um triathlon uh, an iron man in a, in a hot place so I, 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 I studied that a few times like so i yeah. think things like that helped as well um and one thing i know that i'm good at um with the help of yourselves is hydrating fueling uh that type of thing yeah i, I think i'm quite good at that i haven't had any issues with that type of thing and um I learned my lesson the hard way. Uh, before I started running, I did a Land's End to John O'Groats ride for charity. And on the first day, 30 miles up the road, I was off the bike, lying on the floor. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, like the low blood. You know, I was, I was bonking. It was yeah. a low blood sugar thing. Like and a, a mate who lived locally turned up with two Cornish pasties for me. And uh, <laughs> that, got me, <laughs> that got me going again. Uh, but I, I, I remembered. So I, I, I can feel when it, it it's starting to come on, you know, long before it's coming on, even if I forget to eat some, I get, I get that sort of feeling, you know, it's like yeah. uh, an em empty, slightly empty feeling in your stomach, yeah. perhaps, you know? Yeah, I know exactly um, what you mean. Yeah. So, so had yeah. You, so had you had a chat with the guys, the precision hydration guys before you went as well to do with, because obviously how hot is it in Namibia? Give us an idea of the scale of the challenge here. You're doing a marathon oh, oh, a day and then a double yeah. marathon to finish. And what's, so, what's the heat of the day like? So, so we had a few let-offs, really. I think the hottest day was 46 degrees, I heard. The hottest average, uh, one of the days was 46 degrees. And it was hovering around the low 40s. Uh, the day of the double marathon was complete cloud cover everywhere. And I think it was down to the mid-30s or something. And that, that just made all the difference. And instead of completely getting, like, you know, completely baked, you, you, there was a little bit of respite there from... From um, from Incredibly the heat of the day, hot, yeah, Incredibly yeah, it was, it was really hot. hot. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's no doubt about it. It was roasting, you know. Um, Did you was, feel the benefit from all of that work in the sauna and the heat room? That must have made a difference, mustn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah totally. I, I think it did, and the Bikram yoga as well. And uh, the guys, as as you asked before, uh, precision hydration, fuel, and hydration. I'd uh, I'd had a uh, a call with them um about two weeks before so any any big event i do to help me 
Um, I'll give them a phone and see what they think. I don't always totally stick to it, uh, but I just find out what's good for me on the day. But I always, yeah, pretty much follow what 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 they suggest. Mm. Uh, things that worked really well for me, uh, especially that you know the new caffeine gels they've got. Uh, oh yeah, you know yeah. that gave, and rocket that fuel, give, aren't they? Yeah, that did give me a boost. You know, just when I need it, because you, you you start flagging in the afternoons. You know. The morning, <laughs> so so by the time, by the time you've you've done nearly a marathon, and uh, you've still got about another ten k to go or something, or on the second day you've still got another marathon to go. Uh, you know, little things like that can help you really. Uh, and I, I I drank all my water, electrolytes. I used the the pH sachet sachets um, in the morning, about an hour or two before before the race kicked off and uh i like those those always help i took the stick i took the chews but they were they, they got really sticky eh? they melted so i bet they did to get them out. 45 <laughs> degrees centigrade no, I mean, it, 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 it wasn't their fault you know they were up against it uh, i'm surprised your shoes but, hadn't melted in 45 <laughs> degrees dave well i felt the whole everything was melted you know um but yeah, I still got the chews down me. But uh, yeah, it was quite hard getting them out of the, the packet and that. But I mean, they yeah. tasted good and did the job, you know. Um, so yeah. Do you have to carry all your own food for the whole event for this thing in the backpack? Yes. So you've got to. So I packed just over three thousand calories a day. The minimum requirement was two thousand three hundred. So you had to have five days worth of that and a little bit extra for the for, for the last day so um it's every day your bag's getting lighter you know? so that that one good you know one good thing about uh carrying the bag and eating uh is by the time you reach the last day your bag is actually quite light i started off with a 12 kilo bag um and you pretty much work out the first day stuff you don't need i've managed to load myself up there was a bit of panic buying going on in windhook which is the capital in namibia we had a three days in the hotel there before just chilling out and having a few beers in it uh so i did a bit of panic shopping there and uh, i managed to load myself down with half a kilo of sweets and half a kilo of uh, peanuts and raisins so that might be great for some people but i the last thing i wanted to eat on any day was peanuts and raisins so i gave those away um and these sweets some people say it's quite good to suck a sweet but i just didn't i just i just didn't find that myself you know each to their own so i managed to offload a whole kilo of stuff on the first day you know just okay. uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of swapping and giving stuff away and uh, i gave my salt tablets away i wasn't using them either um so there was there was a good sort of uh yeah really good bunch of folk up for trading a few items that they didn't need and stuff you know did you have to carry your own meals as well at the end of the day was that the, like the dehydrated dehydrated everything. meals everything. yeah you've got to carry everything the only thing that they give you is a tent and the thinnest very thinnest of uh, mats like a yoga mat to inflatable bed on and your sleeping bag and all that so you had to supply all that and it gets a little bit chilly at night as well so you needed uh uh sec, you know an extra set of, of, of clothes so so there was all that in there and compulsory compulsory gear you know medical kit yeah um so there was uh yeah quite an extensive kit list uh stuff you had to to have with you that got checked uh the, the day before the race 
Okay. Wow. Um, it, it's settling in this, this idea of not only do you have to carry your own food, but you've got to carry your sleeping bag. You've got to carry your clothes. That's yeah. uh, that's a big ask for six days, isn't it? Did you did yeah. you have a moment before you get started at all where you were thinking, what have, what have I got myself into? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously... Yeah, I mean, I, what what I found I was doing, I think I had this feeling every day. I just thought, this is nuts. This yeah. is bonkers. These these folk are bonkers. Like this, this whole race is crazy. Uh, it's baking hot. Uh, I've got blisters every day. More blisters on my feet. Uh, I had that thought, but I didn't think it wasn't like uh, worry or concern for finishing the race. It was just um, I don't know. It was like, yeah, bring it on, you know. Uh, it sort of felt like, you know, it was that sort of mentality a bit. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I thrived on it. Um, ended up doing okay, really, to be honest, Rob. You know, I was quite surprised with how I was doing, even on the first day. Uh, I came in seventh on the first day. So there was, there was 36 started, 10 DNF'd, 19 finished the long course, and then the remainder opted for the short course. So... You know, there was, uh, and there were, everybody was seemed quite experienced. A lot of people had done MDS there. And, okay. Uh, other crazy events. Have you heard of the, the Montaigne Spine? Oh, yeah. Have you heard of that? So th- this company, Beyond the Ultimate, they also run that race. So somebody was, so, so quite a few people there had done that, and they were telling me about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> who the hell, who the hell would want to do that? Yeah. It's in, Jan- in January. We had the lad who was in the team who uh, who did it. Actually, I think he did it this year. Ollie, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's grim, isn't it? At least this was warm. Um, where, <laughs> it wasn't warm. Was it was baking hot. Baking, man. Yeah, it was baking. That's true. But um, what's yeah, the what's, what's the desert like in Namibia? What's what what are you looking at? What's what's the scenery right. like? So it is very scenic. It's not just miles and miles of sand dunes. There's, uh, I think at one time it was, well, it was definitely volcanic at one time. I think I read somewhere it's the the oldest desert in the world, or one of them is 55 million years old. It's been dry for 55 million years. So it's pretty, um, so there's a lot of, there's a few sort of like tabletop mountain things you see uh canyons rivers dried up riverbeds okay uh some of them that we ran through uh the course itself the surface uh varied between really hard sharp sort of stone um rock uh hard coarse grain sand if you weren't on a track and you were just running across the scrubland there was a lot of spiky plants you ran through um you were constantly trying to find hard, like a hard, harder, firmer surface as you could to, to, to run on. And I think that was the trick. Eh? There was a lot of soft sand about. Um, there, were, there were trees. There was, I mean, quite scenic and beautiful in places. And if you got down to a droid of riverbeds, um, a lot of trees and greenery around there. The, the crew said uh, that was the greenest they'd seen it in six years around there. So uh, I think it had a couple of good years of a uh, couple of good wet seasons okay. uh, in, in, in recent times, you know. So, I mean, it was interesting. It wasn't just miles of like sand, yeah. which I don't know, that, I don't know, that wouldn't have been so much fun. It was, uh, it was a very varied terrain, very challenging, uh, very sore on your feet. I've never had such sore feet 
running anywhere and it almost seems more painful to walk than run. And if the more running he did, the quicker you got it done. Uh, that was the decision you, you had to make. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. To, to make it all go away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's some, you know, it brought out a few emotions, especially on the last day, you know, um, it's the toughest, obviously it's the toughest thing I've done. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just have to, just have to keep going, you know? What did you learn about yourself through doing it? Um, what did I learn about myself? It just reinforced, um, the fact that I'm quite up for doing these extreme events, you know? I mean, I'd, uh, I'll definitely do another. Um, I'm quite good at managing bags, and I mean, I live out of bag half the time. Gear, um, equipment, well, in my job, my job helps me a lot with this, I think, and triathlon. You're always looking after your gear. You're always checking your gear, um, and you're always, you always know where it is or know where you can mm-hmm. get it. So, um, so I'm probably quite good at, as much as I like faffing around, I uh, quite liked all the stuff with the uh, the bag and the, the gear, um, and 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 uh, such like. Do you think, or, or most the point, how much do you think the mindset you have to develop to do your job is a positive aspect for the definitely like, for for these extreme ultra type yeah. of things. I, I think it helps me. I mean, I didn't know this years ago, but I think it really helps. We have to spend a lot of time waiting around, being patient, uh, being focused, uh, listening to instructions, making sure you don't make mistakes. Um, I think I think my job, uh, especially with triathlon as well, all the gear, checking all your gear, I think uh, uh, and the endurance sort of factor of it, I think it, it really it really helps me in this. You know, it's like a um, surprising sort of takeaway from my job that it helps me with with my hobby and, and, yeah. and the sport the sports that I like. There's no doubt about it. It's 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 uh, it's come into play quite a lot, and I've thought about that a lot. You know, that yeah. that, that, that that's 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 really benefited me. You know, it's interesting that isn't it that you obviously you go to your jobs knowing that there's there's a much higher level of discomfort involved in yeah. your job than in most people's jobs. Definitely. Yeah. You, you choose that, but it also helps prepare you for the discomfort of, and there is, we can't yeah. get around it. There is some discomfort involved in triathlon and endurance sport that we're also choosing. But I think a lot of people, they, they choose it. They want to do the event and then race day comes and it's like, Oh, my legs hurt. I'm sore. I've got yeah. wet feet. It sounds like you just kind of embrace the, but this is how it is and we're going to get through it because that's how your every day has to be. That's it. I mean, when I'm at work, you can't say, oh, I don't feel like doing this or I can't do this. It's like there's got to be always looking for a solution. Um, So, yeah, that's there a lot. As much as you hate it, you do sometimes. You just want me job to finish. Uh, You get that with this as well, I think. But I mean, what what is the alternative? Uh, Stop, give up. Um, I don't want to do that and uh, I'll do everything I can unless, I mean, and then there was many times in this where I wanted to stop, but I get the same feeling in a 5K park run as well. Every time I do a, a, a 5K park run, 
uh, I, I feel like I want to give up after about the first lap or whatever. And I think that's just you. I think it's. I think somebody told me once you, you, you your body's telling your brain that it's in trouble and you need to stop. You know things like that, but you just override it because you know it's it's because you're running. You know, and as long as you're fueling and doing everything right, uh, why why should you you know why should you stop? Just, just yeah, keep going. I mean, you, you'll be angry with yourself if you stop. Yeah, um, I, 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 if it's not for you know obviously for injury or something like that, but uh, yeah, uh, that that is yeah. I, I think it's my mindset definitely gets you through these 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 type of events. There's no doubt about it. So where did you finish in the overall then when, when all was said and done at the end of this? What what placing did you get in this Namibia Ultra? So I came eighth. Wow. Um, well done. Seventh on seventh on the first day, six on the second, joint six on the third. Uh, the reason I was joint six is because uh, a fellow who I met who I ran with a lot, a uh, doctor from uh, um, from Gibraltar, would call uh we just couldn't get rid of each other and we were trying it was like oh geez you again like i can't uh, he was saying i was like a bad smell um <laughs> but we, we we ended up getting chatting and uh we we made a pact that day to stay together all day and finish together so i mean that was a brilliant day you know the day the previous day to that i'd spent seven hours running on my own so there was those sort of great sort of like friendship things that sort of cropped up out of nothing and all that desolate sort of desert and in the heat of the day and everything. It was a bit of fun, you know, we had a good laugh. So um so I finished yeah joint six. That's why I finished joint six. And then the following day was a half marathon. Uh it was supposed to it wasn't exactly a rest day. The first 10k was up a hill and then the second half was through some really horrible coarse grain sand sort of it was, it was the worst sort of surface uh i think that had, that we dealt with uh up, up to that point but i came fifth in that and then eighth on the final day um so i was only eight minutes off seventh place and then there was a big gap between seventh and sixth and myself and, and ninth so i was quite close to uh, anybody who was doing any dot watching i know my my dad was, and my dad said he thought I was going to catch the guy in front of me. But the the last five miles, last five k or whatever, was through a, a canyon, a dried up sort of can, canyon, and you, you couldn't really see who was be, behind you and who was ahead of you. Uh, but I'd, 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 on the last day, I'd, apart from doing two marathons, I'd had a tough afternoon. I had um, a German and a Polish guy uh, trying to run me down or walk me down. Even uh, I'd had to deal with them for three hours. And I kept on running off for them. They they were these these folk that, that run half the course and then walk the second half, but they can walk really quick. Um, so my my walk, if I ever walk, they just caught up with me. So I'd, I spent three hours batting these guys off, and we got into the the end of the short course checkpoint, and 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 the K men, and I, I was actually deciding then whether to do the long or short course because your brain was telling you to. You know, stop. You know, like you know, you, this this can all be over. You know, you still get the medal. You can walk away from here with uh, a medal, but you just do the short course, and obviously you'll drop down on the leaderboard. So I made, I had, an, I had something to eat. Uh, one of the other runners had DNF'd through an injury, and he'd left me food. At the you could do this. Um, left me food at this checkpoint, and and I decided to go. And I think I work walk the first five k, and then these guys. 
in the distance again behind me and I thought, oh, there's no way I'm doing what I did this afternoon. That was three hours of torture, really, like just running away from them. So they walked past me and I thought that was it. I was just going to let them go, you know, because you, you, you don't feel like running. And I thought, well, that, that's going to be the end of my day then. These two guys are going to walk past me. They, it won't change anything to the standings because they're a few hours behind me time-wise. But I thought it's just going to be a boring three hours of me, you know, just walking or, or doing whatever. So I thought I'd take the race to them a bit. And I ran for the next 5K past them. Um, and then I stopped again, looked behind me, and they were behind me yet again in the distance. So I thought, right, sod it. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk. I'm just gonna run, walk as fast as I can, uh, and uh, ended up finishing before them uh, in eighth place on on on, on the day. So I, I spoke to them after. Obviously, you get to know everybody there. So yeah, it was a good race for them as well. Them trying to catch me, and obviously they were. Uh, if anybody was dot watching, it was probably the slowest race ever to watch. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but riveting all the same, you know, perhaps, you know, for for the uh, the avid follower of these things. Well, yeah. listen, my I guess my my last question to you has got to be, what's next? It, it so for oh. some people this is like this is like the culmination and the done. For you, yeah. it feels like you've just opened this door into a whole yeah. new world of. There's even crazier stuff, and I'm even more suited to it. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, very, very good of you to ask me there, Rob. Uh, I've got a few things in the pipeline. Obviously, doing the the kelp man just by sort of chance really has um, has allowed me to find these things. I mean, I had this desert thing also in the pipeline, but um, I think that just gave me a lot of confidence for that. So that that's made me. So it my summers I mentioned earlier. Uh, I just. A bit of a damp squib, really, with events and, uh, you know, a bit frustrating because I know I'm off the pace and all that and anything I do is a bit slower than I'd like it to be. So so now, so I've come to the conclusion that uh, to avoid disappointment uh, in the summer months where I work, if I want to do an event, just do a really extreme one uh, <laughs> that I don't have to worry about time uh, as long as I feel okay, confident going into it. Um, just finish just just a completion thing like and i've heard people going on about that you know doing races just to you know to complete them rather than to compete uh winter is a better time for me to knuckle down and uh train for something and hopefully be good at it so first up for me as you know is ironman new zealand and i think it's fourth of march so i'm looking for a training plan for from me soon for that. I need to recover from this a bit more first, but uh, that's that's next up. And um, something I heard about, which I want to do in June. I've got the bike, I've got the gear, I've even tested it all out. Is uh, have you heard of the Tour Divide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tell yeah, everyone, tell everyone listening what that is. <laughs> so the Tour Divide is uh, it follows uh, the longest broken bike route in the world which is 2700 miles long and it stretches from a uh, hotel car park in banff to the mexican border and it follows the uh the, the the rocky mountains basically the great divide so it's a self-supported bike packing race uh 200 or so uh, bikes competitors involved there's no no race fees no prices 
but it's all run times and you carry a, a spot tracker so people can um follow your follow your progress uh 13 days is the world records uh guy martin did it in 2016 in 18 days um and but 25 days is seen as being respectable so if i do do it if i do get I don't do it next year. I'm going to do it the year after. But if I do do it next year, um, I'm going to go into that looking at about doing it in 25 days. Nice. I reckon. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. I'll let you know. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and then I'm definitely going to sign up for, I've already, I'm going to sign up for one of these other um, uh, Beyond the Ultimate Ultra events. Uh, I don't know if, uh, People have heard of them, but they are brilliant. They did everything they could to get everybody through the race best as they could. There's medics there, whatever. They'll patch you up. Uh, they're just fantastic bunch of people. And everybody I met at the race as well was excellent. They run about seven of these races a year. And they're all, a lot of them are in restricted locations where you can't usually sort of get to, you know, okay. um, unless, 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 unless you do these, unless you're prepared to, <laughs> Uh, run for five or six days and cover 250 kilometers um you get to see these areas so i'm definitely going to sign up for another one with the with um with, with uh beyond the ultimate you know they've uh really yeah made for a good experience i'll say yeah it sounds like it so listen I, to wrap this up i think there's going to be people listening to this who who are inspired by your story i know there's lots of our people listening who they've maybe done a few years of triathlon and an Ironman and they're ready to either move on to the next thing or they're looking for another challenge. Have you got a piece of advice you can give to them about, about what to do, how to go about it, how to pick an event? What, what would you say to people who are looking for that next challenge? Maybe feel a bit stale with, with triathlon and nine distance. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm here for, the coaching group because I want to do triathlon. I mean that is my hobby, and I, I love that, and I want to want to do that. But yeah, it's nice to take a sidestep if you've got um, if you've got that that opportunity or you want to do that. But I, I'd, I'd just say, uh, uh, I don't know, start searching the internet, uh, yes. speaking to people, um, getting around, uh, asking myself. You know, of um, I'm fairly sort of uh you know elbows deep in all of this now i've got a lot of ideas on uh what i want to do um it's just finding out what's going on i mean even after going on uh going to namibia there's all these races i'd never heard of uh some of them are shocking sound shockingly brutal but (laughs) at the end of the day um if you just go into them with the mindset just complete um enjoy you know i mean this this is we might be doing this for enjoyment as well. Um, just, yeah, just be brave. Uh, take take a, a calculated gamble and uh, and get stuck in, you know. Uh, that's certainly what I've done. Uh, if something doesn't go my way or something might go to plan, I'll try and get something out of that. And that might open a door somewhere else with something. And, and I think that's pretty much what's happened here. Yeah. Um, and to enter an event for a laugh, like I did with the kelp man, uh, and then you know you get what you get what you wish for. Uh, yeah, brilliant. I like that. That's 
that's the quote right there. Be brave. Pick something yeah, that inspires you. Be brave and enter it. Yeah. I mean, because it, it's easy to think, it's easy to say, oh, there's no way I can do that. You know, I mean, the amount of people since to come back have said, oh, Jesus, that's nuts. What are you thinking of? That's bonkers. Why would you want to do that? Why did you do that? You know, I've, well, with this chat here, you can see why I did it. You know, it's because I want to do it. Yeah. You know, I love it. I think at the end of the day. <laughs> Have a bit of oh, fun. Brilliant. Uh <laughs> it killed me a few times. Uh but I feel great at the end. And it's um you know, it's not all about just just for me. I, I like to uh other people are interested in what you're doing as well. Uh I quite I think quite like it, quite like what you're doing. And it's it's it's, it's something interesting for them to see how you got on if you finished. If you survived it, how well you did. Uh, yeah. That's inspiring for other people. It's been inspiring in the group. You can see the effect it's had just reading your race report over the last few days. And I know there's more than a few people talking in the background about going to do something that is just yeah. pushing their boundaries just a little bit more than maybe they would have done otherwise. And I, that's what I really love about this community. You do something that pushes yourself and it inspires somebody else to to push themselves as well just a little bit more i've always said that i've said that a few times this year i don't know if i heard the saying or just made it up myself but i have always been inspired by others you know it's other people i've spoken to i've seen what they're doing i mean that that has uh, uh brought these things to my attention you know yeah um and i'm at that time in my life of i mean i'm not wasted a, a lot of time drinking and doing nothing i mean I've, my kids are nearly 20 you know we brought them up as well, you know, but it's just come at the right time of my life as well. So I think if you've got that opportunity and you've got that time and you've got the chance to do it, yeah, do it, you know. Brilliant. All right, Dave. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. I've loved hearing your stories. It's been really inspirational. Um, And I look forward to, I look forward to Ironman New Zealand and to the tour divide in the future as well. Yeah. I mean, thanks for having me on the show, Rob. It's been fantastic. I mean, it has been an honor where so many other um, stars of the sport and stars of the of the group have been on before me. So uh, thanks for having me on. I was a bit nervous to come on, as you know, but uh, I hope it uh, all sounds okay. Oh, you've been brilliant. You've been brilliant. <laughs> thanks, mate. Thank you very much. Okay. Cheers, then. All right, everybody. I hope you, uh, hope you really enjoyed that. I hope it's provided you with a little bit of inspiration to maybe do something different, maybe explore outside of the realms of what you would usually consider for an event. And you know what, even if it's just inspired you to really dig in on the training for the events you'd already planned on doing, if Dave's interview tells us anything, it's that our bodies are capable of doing much, much more than we think they are often, and that the mind can be the strongest part and the most important part of us completing these endurance endeavors. So, uh, yeah, what a brilliant opportunity to uh, interview somebody who's who's performing right out there on the extremes of what's possible as a human. Just brilliant. Hope you've enjoyed it. Um, so listen, if you have enjoyed that and you're interested in finding out more about how we can help you out with coaching for triathlon or other endurance events, head on over to teamoxygenetic.com. I think we've got the most comprehensive coaching program for busy age groupers for both triathlon, half iron distance, full iron distance, 
endurance, bike riding, ultra distance running, whatever it may be, we can help you out with a training plan and coaching help for all of those things. So you can book a call with me to see if you'd be a good fit for joining our team. There's a link in the show notes. It'll book straight to my calendar. We can chat for 30 minutes to see how we can best help you out. And also go over to precisionfuelandhydration.com and use the code OA22 for 15% off your first electrolyte order. So links in the show notes so you don't have to remember them. Until next week, have a great safe training and racing week. I'm Coach Rob Wilby and you've been listening to the Oxygenetic Podcast. See ya. See ya.